For many, the idea of walking into a store and finding new clothes that actually fit is non-existent. The designs are either too bulky or the lengths of the sleeves and pants are too long. Frustrated, many leave and do their shopping online instead. Except that experience isn't much better. Savitude co-founders Nick Clayton and Camilla Olson are on a mission to help turn that situation around. The idea behind the company is a radical one, to recreate a designer's brain by using code. Nick and Camilla joined IT Visionaries to discuss what that means and how they are using AI and machine learning to find clothes for everybody. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. This podcast is created by the team at mission.org. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, host of IT Visionaries. And today we have two special guests. First, Camilla, how are you? I'm good. It's a beautiful day here in Palo Alto. It is a beautiful day here in sunny Oakland, California as well. Um, so I am excited to chat with you. And Nick, how are you? Doing well. It's, it's beautiful here in Ann Arbor as well. Oh, there you go. We're spread all over. Um, and our producers are in New York. We got, we got the, you know, half of North America covered here. Um, well, we're excited to get into everything that's going on at Savitude and your backgrounds. Um, so first for our listeners who don't know, Camilla, can you share a little bit about the company? Well, Savitude is a AI retail technology company. Um, and what we do is, uh, we once uh, we take what was once very doable only by highly skilled practitioners in the fashion industry, and we allow anybody to perform these tasks within an executable framework. Our target audience is uh, the fa- uh, the fashion designer, so we really do design and recommendations uh, based on body shape. So our goal is so that. Anybody can get clothes to help them look their best. That's the consumer goal. But for the retailer and the fashion designer, we want them to build the the best assortment that they possibly can and in an easiest way they can too. And Nick, as CTO, what is kind of the scope of your responsibilities? So as the CTO, I'm obviously primarily responsible for the product. So getting all of the data and the technology built um, that lets us really facilitate these designers and let them design, but bring in that analytical side of um, looking at things like trend analysis and things like body shape. And so Camilla, taking a step back, how did you get started in technology? Well, I started out in high school studying, always wanting to do something in math, <laughs> but I took a, started out in electron microscopy and spent most of my time in the biomedical space. But my la- uh, last two companies that I did there were predictive modeling companies in the pharmaceutical space. 
took a break and went to fashion design school. Uh, I had my own fashion label for five years. When I learned about this problem of returns, the one in six items that goes to a store ends up in a landfill. Um, and that's astonishing in and of itself. But um, the part that I learned as a fashion designer is that that reason that that happens is that the industry is focused on the hourglass body shape and not actual bodies. Um, and there are only 20% of women have hourglass body shapes. So I realized that I could solve that problem by bringing in predictive modeling techniques that I've used back in the pharmaceutical industry. And so I didn't realize I was doing going to be doing AI, but uh, I wanted to solve that problem. And Nick and I pulled together on this, and that's what we ended up doing. So he tricked me into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so what's the uh, what's the founding uh, story here, uh, Nick? How'd you how'd you uh, how'd you trick her into it? So um, I've known Camilla for for a very long time. Um, I actually grew up in Palo Alto um, and uh, did you know musical theater. Um, with uh, her son Mark growing up. Um, but also growing up, I did a lot of, uh, you know, coding and robotics. Um, and, uh, you know, then I went to school um, and developed an expertise in computer vision and machine learning. Um, Camilla reached out to me with sort of the basic idea of, um, you know, hey, there's this problem um, in fashion. People are really only designing for the hourglass body shape, um, and I think there's ways that we can address that. Um, and as we started approaching the problem and looking at solutions, we drove further and further towards um, this sort of full, fully automated AI-enabled solution, because um, that's just really what made the most sense for solving the problem. So what we so we did here is um, we focus on the, the the real problem that women were having. So like in my design studio, I had a lot of customers in Palo Alto who would come and say, hey, what do you got, Camilo? You know, let's try it on. And I'd see these sad faces, you know, and me feeling terrible, like I'd done a bad job that, you know, my clothes didn't fit real people. And I knew I graduated with honors. I knew I did was a good student, but how could I be such a bad designer? And I just felt horrible about it. Um, but I realized that, Design school don't they don't teach how to design for real bodies um, because it's designed for manufacturing to be efficient, um, and women are just supposed to figure it out. Or I'm not sure what they expect women to do, but return things and put it in the landfill. Um, but I, I spent actually years studying the problem, trying to, to figure it out. But Nick and I spent a lot of time sitting down together and we have another designer in the, on our team too, Jung Ha. And the three of us really literally sat down side by side for five years, solving the problem together from a real customer perspective. Um, and, and that's how we ended up solving this big problem that other people have been trying to solve algorithmically, but we ended up putting the problem into the AI, which 
is, I think, the magic that we have done that hasn't been done before. And I think, Nick, if you can talk to that, I think that would be pretty interesting. A lot of uh, AI solutions out there sort of take a, a cookie cutter approach. Um, there are algorithms out there that if you throw enough data at them um, and the data is relevant, you'll end up with results that look okay. Um, what we did is from the start, um, when we actually designed the structure of the algorithms we were using, not just the structure of the data, um, and not just the data that was going into it, we brought design philosophy in to that step as well. Um, and so what that gave us is it gave us a system that actually is able to make inferences a lot quicker and with a lot less data because it is structured in such a way um, that the structure flows naturally into the types of inferences that it needs to make. Um, so that sort of domain specificity from the very beginning, um, rather than onboarding domain expertise, you know, once you already have the system built, um, that process of engineers and designers sitting down side by side really, I think, made our solution much more powerful than it would have been otherwise. Pardon me, Nick, but the kind of thing that we've created from the get-go recreated a fashion designer's brain. Um, we've really put in in code how she thinks. So when we make recommendations, it goes with the same process that I would in my studio trying to fit somebody. We actually thought of all of those situations. Um, and so what we're finding years later is that that same knowledge base and everything around it um, it is such an efficient way to address this problem that it can be used to solve many, many problems in the fashion retail space because that thinking has been um, abbreviated in so many spaces in the industry. And we're able to add in the, the necessary complexity um, in AI to solve where there's so much waste. Um, and so we're now um, have in, we're now just about to introduce uh, new products um, on the design side using AI design, um, and also to on the uh, supply chain, and then also in um, the on-demand manufacturing um, and redesign. And it, to me, the I, I'm not saying that to to sell product because that's not your audience, but to, to say how important it is to bring the domain expertise into solving and to creating an AI solution because you're creating a real efficient uh, approach that can be used in many more places than you initially thought. Well, you know, like you said, the, the problem is enormous um, in terms of, you know, Five billion pounds of landfill waste um, and carbon, you know, fifteen million tons of carbon emissions uh, annually. Like clearly, there's a massive kind of issue. But all of the different players that are involved don't necessarily, you know, know the totality of the issue, or maybe they know it, but they don't really have a solution. I mean, you know, we've actually, you know, talked back, um, gosh, probably 150 episodes ago um, about this idea of like how 
clothing and sizing and things like that haven't really changed too much over the years with uh, with the CTO Stitch Fix. Um, and, and just talking about how like it really needs to change, like how you from the elemental level of, of how people are designing needs to change. Otherwise, it's going to continue to, to have a ton of waste. How does your solution kind of help the folks who are actually designing to make the process easier to, to limit uh, the input for, you know, what could be a ton of waste? So on the on the design side, um, so we have um, just we're just going into beta today um, with our design product, um, and let's let's describe that in the first case. So there are other approaches to doing fashion design, um, but um, and let's clarify the landscape because people are calling uh, the. Um, uh, 3D uh, products design, but um, that's the we're we're talking about ideation in terms of fashion design, um, and 3D comes after ideation. That's to perfect your design. Um, there's a GAN process, um, and Nick can address that. But we have an approach to design, which is very much how a fashion designer would approach it. So we take inspiration images. It's an, our system is entirely image-based. So we take images of inspiration. We take a designer's archive, archival history of everything she has designed that's relevant uh, to what she's about to do. Um, and that gives us her history of design details that she can draw from, and it gives us her drawing style. Um, and then we take trend, which is what's coming up in the new season. And it's a combination of those three things um, that we use to create new designs and iterate. And we can actually iterate trillions of possibilities. What makes our system sustainable is that we, a uh, fashion designer can only design for an, one or two, maybe three body shapes at a given time. In our taxonomy, we have 729 different body shapes that we consider. Um, so in our system, we can test for all 729 to make sure that the collection you're producing matches your customer population. So when we uh, designer performs her ideation and puts together her collection, she can do an analytical step to test to make sure, well, does it match these particular all nine body shapes? Does it match the different heights? Does it match the different proportions of torso and shoulders and what have you? And so by doing that, by making sure she has the coverage for the population of people, um, that exist in her customer base, that's how you keep clothes from going in the landfill because she knows that what she's gonna what you're gonna ship will serve your customer base. What ends up in the landfill are clothes for all of hourglass people that don't serve the whole population. And so, you know, when you when you talk about those clothes, I'd imagine that like this is the first part of the problem is like you know, I, I guess to take a step back, like, why would there just be like size zero, two, three, four, 
five, six, you know, and upward, it just seems like it's very like the entire kind of um, process is pretty like old fashioned, like it hasn't changed in a long time. So I'm curious, like obviously one piece you just described is the design piece, but then also in manufacturing, they still, then they would have to create tons of, you know, other versions of these clothes. Is that also a sticking point? Let me pause here for a second and uh, stop you in the halfway through your sentence um, as I didn't address the specifically size. Part of our goal is to is for uh, designers and retailers to have um, an optimal assortment. That's what they are the, the collection that they're setting out to be manufactured. There's a geometry. Uh, if you can just imagine that someone who is, uh, do you know what a shift dress is? A, a, a sheath dress is. It's something that's pretty form fitting to your shape, and that would look great on an hourglass shape. But if you have a woman who has, say, a large, she's top hourglass, or she has larger bust, or bottom hourglass, or she has larger hips, the sheath would never fit on her, right? I mean, what she'd either fit it for one part of her body, but it wouldn't fit for the other part of her body. So that's a bad dress for her. But um, for someone who's a bottom hourglass, something called an empire dress is ideal for her, or a wrap dress because it's forgiving on the bottom. Um, So there's a concept of getting the right silhouette for matching silhouette for body shape and also matching design details for body shape. Like for example, someone has a large chest, you don't give them a round collar, you give her a a V-neck is much more attractive. So there's choice in design details. So if you have a right, um, in creating your assortment, getting the right mix of silhouette and design detail, you can serve your whole population. Piggybacking a a little bit off of what Camille's talking about here, um, that serving that variety doesn't require that you increase the number of styles or skews that you're creating. What it requires is that you're more intentional intentional about the way that uh, those styles are distributed. Um, so you can create an assortment that uh, serves everyone with the same number of SKUs as you were using before, just with a set of SKUs that are better distributed so that there is something for everyone and you're not overproducing um, dresses for one body shape when they're only 20% of the population. So the the problem is really an assortment problem, not a size problem. And so if you have the right assortment, you can still use your size system, but you just have to have the right silhouette and design details to match your population. And the thing is that it's a really complex problem for for humans to do without AI. I tried it, it's really hard. Um, and so one might think, ah, you can solve it once and just repeat that. But the thing is with fashion trends and styles change and it gets refreshed, refreshed every season. And so that needs to move around quite a bit. So it is a very dynamic system. So you have to keep solving it. And so our AI system takes all of the factors that are used each season to solve it. So let's say 
um, you have someone who is from, you know, like retailer X, um, and they are designing for, um, like a new, a new dress for this season or a new style. And they're leveraging your platform to design this. How does it go from that point onto, you know, the floors of the store? Would it be that instead of, you know, the rack that has, you know, one double zero, you know, one zero four twos, you know, three sixes, like, it, like, how does it change the actual way that inventory? Because I'd imagine that, especially with like direct to consumer um, type companies, that you could have much better inventory, you know, not in stores than you could have, uh, you know, as an in-store experience and, and really like change the entire in-store experience potentially with having, you know, a better fit in general. I'm not sure if I'm going to answer your question with this, but I'm going to offer this. Previously explained to you how to make an assortment. I can say that we can do the same process to create the right assortment for a store. So a, a designer herself, she has her own customer base. And so she needs to create product for her customer base. Um, and then a store, a buyer there needs to buy from many different designers. And each designer has, you know, different parameters in their, in, in their collections, right? And that all has to come together to match the store's customer base. Um, and so our technology can be used to, you know, make all of that come together so that the store is serving their customer base as well. Is that the problem that you were asking me about? Yeah, no, that that's definitely part of it. Um, I mean, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a complicated system. That's why I, it's so, it is. so interesting that um, to leverage AI to solve, you know, the initial problem um, of creating, you know, thousands and thousands of, of variations. I, and then I was, what I was getting to is, you know, at the end of the day, this affects the actual you know, physical brick and mortar retailer in how they present the product to new customers. Um, and I'm curious, like, how does how does technology play into that interchange? Well, we have not gone there. Uh, uh, we've thought about it. Um, and so in the individual mom and pop store, it's harder, um, of course, because they can't, they don't hold it as much inventory um, as anyone else would. So they would have um, more of a personality and cult, cultivate their specific personality of uh, customer base. Um, whereas, you know, and you could see by using this kind of technology, you know, it can be more differentiated at the store level. Right now, everyone's going after the hourglass body you know, so that's why if you look at in the average street, so many people look awful because they literally cannot find clothes that fit their body. In our research, 50 to 55% of women literally have given up on shopping and hate it because their experience is so bad. Yeah. So I think what we're doing really is open, going to open up opportunities for the fashion industry um, to serve many more women um, well and allow fashion to be more differentiated um, and offer more and to have people be women and men to be more satisfied. I'm sorry, I speak in the feminine um, 
frequently, but I, I, if we're inclusive, we also serve men and children and our technology. As someone with, um, you know, with a mother and a sister and a, and a fiance, I can definitely attest to the fact that, um, you know, until you go shopping, uh, with your significant other, you couldn't possibly imagine how different it is. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's, crazy that we got to this point in general that there's like that sizing is the way that it is because um, there's so many aspects of the human body that are different that it's like how could you possibly say that like something is like a small medium or large like those there's that doesn't you know account for all of the different parameters it's the same thing you know I every time we tell this story um you know, when we're often talking to men, but they'll often share very similar stories with us too. So it's, it's come, you know, women don't own the, the real estate on this also. Um, it's, it's a pervasive story, but this application of um, where the, the opportunity is in, of solving the, the waste in fashion is, is, or where we can apply this technology to to facilitate. So 3D, for example, 3D, I think, has a um, you know, big opportunity to help fashion designers refine fashion design and is in such to some extent it's been accepted. But what the problems with 3D um, is that it um, in fashion design development it um, it takes a lot of time. And so there's been some resistance on that. Um, whereas we give designers time because we actually save a month in product development because um, we do a lot of things really fast so that, you know, we like to say we take all the, we do all the left brain stuff so that designers can stay in the, re, um, in the, in the right brain and stay in the designer space, in the creative space. But on the retail side, um, I, you know, so here's an opportunity in the brick and mortar. Um, um, people are talking about using AR and VR um, instead of, especially in the time of COVID, that that could be a real game um, to try it on virtually. Except that, you know, it takes time to, for it to load up and for you to visualize it. Um, and it takes time to just to visualize it and see. And more often than not, it's disappointing when you try things on, even virtually. And that's a whole story you got to go through. Um, and so one of the things that we can do is that we can pre-select what's in the store for the XR experience so that um, when the customer wants to try on the XR she'll have the optimal pieces that match with her body shape or his body shape so that the experience with XR will be much more satisfying and likely to be successful. I want to get under the hood a little bit on uh, on the AI um, specifically. Nick, can you share how the AI is is performing these uh, these the massive amount of uh, compute you're looking at? Yeah, um, so what what we do is we look at primarily two sources of input, and everything is built on top of that. The first is um, body shape and proportion of people, um, and the second is uh, silhouette and shape and design details of clothes. Um, 
So we have a visual recognition system that allows us to look at photos of clothes, and we can pull out from pretty much any photo, photos uh, either from a retailer's storefront or from you know, Instagram or social media. Um, we can look at them all and we can say, okay, what's, what are the clothes here? What are the design details that are showing up in those clothes? Um, and then we've created a taxonomy for that and a understanding in our AI of how those design details interact with each other and how those design details interact with the body shape and proportion. Um, and so when we're looking at uh, making a recommendation, for example, it's a, a simple calculation or somewhat simple calculation once you have the, the underlying AI um, of you know, what's the, the score of that garment relative to um, the shopper's body shape and proportion. Um, when you're looking at creating an assortment and creating a design, um, you're flipping that. And so you're saying, okay, what's, uh, rather than looking at all of the uh, garments that I have and making a recommendation, I'm looking at all of the people that I have um, and uh, trying to figure out what kind of garments I should be making. Um, and so we look at when we're creating those garments, pushing them towards um, the, the real body shape distribution of your customers, um, trends that you're interested in. And so we can look at you know, what's coming down the runway or what people are sharing on Instagram, and we can push uh, the design generating system towards those types of designs. Um, so obviously it's still going to stay within your brand style and your brand's DNA, um, but depending on how it's configured, you can push it a little bit or push it a lot um, towards uh, your inspiration or your, your trends that you're trying to fit. So as you're talking with designers who I would imagine are not uh, AI uh, geeks in most cases, how do you kind of like talk through, you know, what, what, it, what the software can do for them? Yeah, so we, we have always had a, a philosophy to make it um, really easy for designers and retailers alike to use our system. Um, and that's part of why we've built uh, the sophisticated visual recognition system that we have, um, is most people understand images, right? And designers particularly are fantastic at understanding images. That's kind of their job. Uh, so uh, our system relies most heavily on images as an input. Um, and so that's a very natural uh, language for designers to talk in. Um, so when we uh, allow the designers to create their inspiration within our system, um, it's you know, the same way that a designer would pull together a collection of images um, as an inspiration for their designs normally, they can take those same images, upload them into our system, um, and our system will, will parse out the fashion details from them, whether they're images of clothing or whether they're you know sketches or um, you know vases with uh, particularly interesting design details. We can look at all of that type of input, um, and we're really trying to keep it in that creative space for designers, since you know they aren't, as you say, necessarily. There are some um, with uh, some background in statistics or AI, but the vast majority don't. Very few people really get what we're doing until they see the example of what we're doing. 
Yeah, I mean, as with most AI projects, I think it's like once you see what's going on, um, then <laughs> yeah. you're like, wow, I, I can't believe this. Yeah, it's definitely a bit of a see it to believe it phenomenon. Well, and I think, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you lived it, Camilla. You you know exactly how it feels um, on the, on the you know, user side of trying to do this and um, and not having, you know, the ability to... Uh, to scale what you were doing further than, you know, just, you know, kind of hammering away. Well, that aspect of being able to design, like we were at, um, we did a Techstars program um, in partnership with Target um, a couple of years ago. And the CEO of Target asked us, well, to look at their website and, tell them what we thought. And, you know, and we've looked at theirs and we've looked at a few others and, and our conclusion from that, then that's really what threw us down this road is, um, is that we realized that there are pockets of women who are walking out of stores because they literally cannot find any clothes that fit their body. Nothing, nothing can fit at all. It's not a size problem. It's because it just proportionally will not, they can't close the button. They can't zip it. And it's, it's not because they're fat. It's just because it's not made for their shoulders or their, their, their torso or their long legs or something. And it, um, and it, it's really, it's really sad because, you know, there's a lot of people who've gone through life this way where they just can't find clothes that fit their body. Um, and, and I'm really empathetic to that. Um, and the, and when we looked at the numbers, it's, it's a much bigger number than you'd think it, it was. And, you know, it's, it's a problem that just needed to be solved. And so how much are you talking to like larger retailers, like the targets of the world, um, you know, to try to facilitate, you know, designers or suppliers that they work with to leverage the platform? So we're just getting, so this is, again, this is one of those things that when you talk to people about it, yeah, that's a nice idea, Camilla, but you're going to have to show it to me when you have it done. Um, and so we just finished, um, we're just finished our, um, we're going into beta now. Um, so I haven't approached tar the targets of the world yet with this product. Um, we've talked in theory um, with with many people about the idea, but I haven't shown them, tried to sell this yet. Um, uh, so we are going into beta with a, um, someone who's local in this area. Um, but what we, I think what we're gonna do first is to um, open this up on our website for you know, designers at large to use so that we can add to our database um, and build, um, start building a, a good database of information for uh, the design details and trends and, and many other aspects of, of what we're building. And so with after that, at the end of the summer, I think we'll, we'll then start talking to some of the larger companies. Awesome. Well, let's get into our lightning round questions. These questions are fast and easy. Just like the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, you can go to salesforce.com slash platform to learn more about the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience, salesforce.com slash platform to learn more. 
lightning round questions. Are you both ready? I'm scared. Yes. <laughs> you should be. No, just kidding. <laughs> okay, what hobby or habit have you picked up during shelter in place? I'm making bread. Um, I've been playing a, a fair bit more Magic the Gathering lately. What is a book or podcast or something that you've really enjoyed recently? I have started listening to Michelle Obama's uh, Belonging, Becoming. Uh, I'm a big fan of everything by uh, Brandon Sanderson. How about a hidden talent or passion? Hidden talent. I always, I'm really regret not accepting my advisor's request that I apply to medical school. Um, I don't precisely keep it hidden, but it's not necessarily obvious. Um, I've been a, a singer throughout my life and greatly enjoy it. Last question. This is a little different for both of you. So what is your best advice for a first-time CEO, Camilla? Listen more than you talk. And then what is your best advice for a first-time CTO, Nick? Um, so I think it's really important as the CTO that you be involved in the discussions that you have with customers um, so that you build a product that's really for your customers. Awesome. Well, that's it. That's all we got for today. Any, uh, any final thoughts? This was really fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was wonderful. Awesome. Well, thanks for stopping by and uh, we'll, we'll be following along. So hopefully uh, we, uh, we get some good, uh, good results after the beta is launched. We'll let you know. Thanks so much. Take care. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. <laughs>